heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The Masculine Journey starts here, now. Welcome to the Masculine Journey. We are glad to have you with us in the post-Thanksgiving edition of the Masculine Journey radio show. We hope that your Thanksgiving went well. And if you missed last week, I'm telling you, you really missed a good show. We had some great guests that are back with us this week. Kim and um, Catherine, sorry, had a blank there for a minute. Kim, Kim and Catherine Whitehurst. And, and we did learn that Al's afraid of kids' shows. So, Al, can you tell us about Pretty Pretty Princess and no, what you're doing? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, you should have been listening last week because Al is actually afraid of the Wizard of Oz. Movie. Not afraid of it. I just don't like it. And it's okay to stay away from negative things. Right, counselors? That's right. See? This is healthy. When they're really healthy-based phobias. Now don't, don't, don't break open wounds and talk about flying monkeys. Who's breaking <laughs> open wounds? <laughs> so if you need to get Al anything for Christmas, it's coming up. You know, the soundtrack... You know, anything like that would be good from The Wizard of Oz. But uh, it's good to know that, Al. We, we know you a lot better this week than we did last week. So, thank you. I'll get you, my pretty. <laughs> well, this week, uh, last week we talked about, Robert, do you remember what we talked about last week? It seems like it was just Yeah, yesterday. it was because it was Thanksgiving. We were thinking about, wow, what could be thankful for that God has kind of extracted out of your life, not just the things that, that he's put into our lives. Yeah, yeah and uh, hopefully your Thanksgiving was... Uh, not real painful. <laughs> Sometimes those are, are, are painful situations. So we're, we're glad that you're on the backside if that was a case of it. And so Turner Classic Movies was playing Wizard of Oz, you know, just to yeah. keep. <laughs> keep out going. So today's topic, we'll switch gears. The, today's topic, we're going to talk about what, Robbie? You want to set up our topic for today? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a neat thing. The other day I, was, I went to lunch with Jim Kinney, who you may know um, had the, a feature on our station for a lot of years. And... He said, you know, Robbie, what the good king, kings of Judah all had in common? And it kind of stumped me. I said, well, he said, you know, I knew that there were like 22 bad kings of Judah, and there were only eight good ones. What was the difference? He said, well, there's only one thing that I could really point to that was clearly um, something that they had in common was they removed the idols, meaning the astropoles and the bales and those kind of things. But as I started to process that, I called you and I, I said, Sam, what a cool topic is, is we are kings and, 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 you know, God gives us our kingdoms to whatever extent. It may be your home or it may be your job or wherever it is that you consider to be your kingdom. Then what is it that we can do to, to be good kings that would be consistent biblically with that, which we talked about, but other things as well? Yeah. And so the, the kings of those days removed the idols. Right. They were there. And so luckily we have a couple counselors with us today. Is idols something that people struggle with these days? I mean, isn't that just kind of an old biblical topic, or is that something that people still struggle with? Sure, they do. Um, I, but people don't necessarily see them so well, and they have to really stop and look. What is it that they're really setting their focus on? What is it? Is it my career? Is it my my family is it my husband you know mm -hmm. so when we set our eyes on something someone that is higher a priority than god it really can get us off track absolutely yes. thank you 
I know we didn't ask that question beforehand, but you nailed it, and that's what I was looking for, that we all have or have had at some point in our life idols, false comforters, whatever you might want to call them, and they may be a little different at times. But, Rob, you made a great point before we came in. The king wasn't really necessarily removing his own idol, was he? No, he was, his was taking idols out of his kingdom, you know, out of the people that were affecting his people, which, you know, a good king is more concerned about, you know, is the people in the kingdom than necessarily his own good. That's how Jesus, you know, did what he did. And so I know you're shocked that I'm going to set up this clip. That's what I was waiting on, just for you to set up the clip. <laughs> that my clip would be from the movie Cars. And, and interestingly, if you're familiar with the, the, the movie, there was a Lightning McQueen, it was a race car, and, and obviously, clearly obviously, his idol was the Piston Cup, which, you know, NASCAR drivers, they have their own cup that they're going after. But he happens into a little town where there was another, there, the, there was a different king in this little town who happened to be a Hudson Hornet. And this Hudson Hornet, unbeknownst to Lightning McQueen, had been a Piston Cup race car and very successful one. And then one day, lightning happens in to this king's uh, kingdom for which he gets in a lot of trouble for going where he shouldn't have gone. But that king did a tremendous job in a rather gruff way of helping take the idol away from Lightning McQueen to an extent just by calling it an empty cup. Now, initially, lightning doesn't recognize it, but eventually he comes to that realization, doesn't he? Well, you'll have to listen. That's what it's, I'm it's, it's teasing in, it a little it's bit. It's in the clip. Okay, oh, there we go. You have three piston cups. How could you? I knew you couldn't drive. I didn't know you couldn't read. It's a Hornet. Wait over it flows, like I told you. Of course, I, I can't believe I didn't see it before. You're a deep, fabulous Hudson Hornet. You still hold the record for most wins in a single season. Oh, we got to talk. You got to show me your tricks, please. I already tried that. I mean, you won the championship three times. Look at those trophies. You look. All I see is a bunch of empty cups. Lightning McQueen is going to win the Piston Cup! Come on, you've got it, you've got it, Stickers! I am not coming in behind you again, old man! Doc? What are you doing, kid? I think the king should finish his last race. <laughs> you just gave up the piston cup. You know that? Ah, this grumpy old race car I know once told me something. It's just an empty cup. Daryl, is pushing on the last lap legal? Hey, man, he's not really pushing him. He's just giving him a little bump grab. As I was listening to that, Sam, I thought I should have set it up a little bit better because a lot of people that had not seen the movie may not have realized that there was sort of a Dale Earnhardt. Earnhardt. Wow, you're good with that. That's not good, Robbie. 
Dale Earnhardt character who had pushed the sort of Richard Petty character to spin the car out. And as he was, you know, rolled over and looked all trashed out, actually Lightning McQueen did a little flashback <laughs> to where he remembered the pictures of, of the Hudson Hornet where it had been crashed. And he all of a sudden realized, wow, I'm chasing the wrong goal here. I could have an opportunity to go after this, the King's heart, you know, who, mm -hmm. who was the race car that had been crashed. And so he stops at the finish line rather than winning the piston cup and goes back and pushes the Richard Petty character across so that he could finish his last race. And the thing that's so cool about the movie, and of course the crowd goes wild because they see it's real racing. But the thing for the more I look or study the, the scene, whoever wrote it, is see that Hudson Hornet is sitting there, and he was the king that set up, that took away or expressed to at least Lightning McQueen how this was an idol in his life. And see, sort of the untold hero in the picture is the king. Now, he didn't get the credit for pushing the other guy across the finish line, and he didn't get a credit for, for what happened in the movie, but actually it was all set up by the Hudson Hornet because he had been the good king in, in, the, in the scene. This is your favorite movie, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a kid's movie. I love it. Yeah, you know, it is. So, Al, as a, as a parent, and you kind of have a kingdom, you know, so to speak, that, you know, you're responsible for, biblically, that, you know, how can you remove idols from your kids' lives? I mean, how would you practically go about doing something like that? I am not intelligently prepared for this answer. Okay. Or question. Okay. Um, you know... I think for me, the important thing is to keep everything grounded, mm -hmm. keep everything um, spiritual. Not, and I, I don't want to say everything, but the the center of the house is God. It's got to be God, and that's what I try to do with my kids. Is you know, like we were talking earlier about how the the third appendage is your your cell phone. You know, we have to have limits, and we have to. Um, I have no idea, Sam. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> I got nothing. That's right. No, that's all right. You started to go there. I, I think just as a parent, you have to be active. Right? You have to kind of look at those things. And I've heard you do it many, many times where you tell your kids, oh, no, we're not going to go there. We're not going to do this from well, the standpoint of just their behavior. You know, I, I don't think as much about that as I, I try to be proactive. For instance, it's it's a rule in my family that when you wake up, you have to give your first fruits to God and there's no finer fruit than the first moments of your day after you get the sleep out of your eyes. So my kids, they each have a one-year Bible, and they each go through and they read their Bible and they pray. And my daughter, my son did it as well, but she'll come and sit in my lap and tell me about her story. And we talk about it and we pray and we find some kind of way to try to apply it to her life. And by her seeing me get on my knees with her, by me listening to her tell the story, you know, she knows that the most important thing to me is that God is her father her spiritual father, and he's most important in her life. So when if we can keep that, I think I'm more proactive. As we see things, you know, I try to steer them away, but I don't think you, you're going to be able to pull them out of the world if you don't keep the, the spirit inside of them. Uh, Kim and Catherine, I want to ask you a question I didn't ask you before because I you know, like to do that, but as a king or as a friend or as a spouse or a parent, you can tell somebody about the idol they have in their life, but at some point, just like lightning had to make a decision to do something with it, doesn't that individual also have to make a decision that to do something with that idol for it to really move? 
<laughs> yes, yes, they do. Um, you you have to make a decision that uh, it really takes a lot of looking at yourself and saying, "What is this? What is the what is the purpose of this idol in my life? And what is it accomplishing? Is it accomplishing the goal of what I want in my life? And if it's not, it's not giving you the really the needs that you have. If if you're wanting you know, something needs met by that idol, it's not going to necessarily work. Yeah. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about those idols that could be in your life. And also what's some of the other responsibility a king has? What did Jesus demonstrate for us? When we come back, we're going to talk about that. You want to come back and join us? We're going to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Masculine Journey Radio is listener supported and we are very thankful for every dollar. But I wanted to take a moment to share a really easy way that you can support us. If you use Amazon to purchase things, all you need to do is go to smile.amazon.com, which is their charity contribution site. And from there, select Good Heart Ministries to support. And Amazon will donate 5% of your purchase to us. To donate or watch a video on how to do this, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. That's MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Sam Main here for Masculine Journey Radio Show. Our show often focuses on healing and freedom that's found through walking more intimately with the Father. I know no one wants to see a counselor, but often there are times I find myself stuck and needing a little bit more help. That's why I turn to my friends at Seasons of the Heart. Kim and Catherine are experienced counselors that help you find healing through the Father. For more information on Seasons of the Heart, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. That's MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Welcome back to Masculine Journey. We are glad to have you back. We're glad to have you today with us on this post-Thanksgiving show. And we're talking about the responsibility of a good king. And what we talked about before the break was a good king, biblically, Robbie, you'd said, had removed idols right from the land. But it went right before we, we left, we started talking with Catherine a little bit about, but the people still had to make a decision not to worship those idols. So, Kim, I, I know that there are times that you've had to point out to people in their life that they have something that's a higher priority than God or something they're looking to for life that really isn't going to sustain them. And so what's some of those things that you've seen that men have looked to for life that are, isn't a sustainable, uh, repeatable thing for them? Um, for 25 years as a, a Christian counselor, I worked with men that struggled with uh, sexual addiction and mm-hmm. pornography uh, and Obviously, it's an addiction that will destroy their life and their whole family's life. So, I, um, and they typically come to me when they're in so much pain, or their life is being destroyed, their marriage is being destroyed, their family's being destroyed. I've seen men lose their business, their family, their ability to see their kids. I've even seen some of them even go to prison because basically what they're saying is. Uh, I have all this pain and I'm going to use sex as a drug to help mm-hmm. me avoid my pain. And that, that, that creates an idol. Anything like Catherine said, anything that you put before God becomes an idol. So, um, we have a saying in the ministry when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change, you will change. So they they get to a point where they're desperate to let go of that idol or they're going to die. Mm-hmm. Typically addiction leads to premature death. So in a lot of cases, if men don't let go of their addictions, they're going to die prematurely or they're going to lose everything else. And I've seen men uh, go to prison. I've seen men commit suicide. I've seen um, men just come completely unraveled because they've created an idol in their life. But I've also seen lots of men let go of the idol and get free of it 
and the process of recovering from addiction really draws you closer to God. When mm-hmm. we say the first three steps, I can't do it, he can do it, I'll let him do it. So basically you're surrendering the idol uh, to God and then you're surrendering your whole life to God and that he comes in because that's what he wants. He wants an intimate relationship with you and changes you and you become stronger and stronger and stronger through recovery. So something that was meant for evil can be turned into something really good if somebody really lets go of the addiction. Yeah, thank you. I know that statistically men, you know, by and large struggle with pornography. Catherine, I know we have a lot of female listeners. That may not be the thing that really is an idol for the female listener out there, but what's some things that women fight with that they put as an idol? I know you talked about them a little bit earlier, but as you've worked with women, what's some of the things you have to open their eyes to specifically to a female a lot of times to see? Well, what I tend to see is, and, and it goes back to really Ephesians, where it says, husband, love your wives, and wives, love, uh, respect your husbands. Wives really have this need, desire. They want their husband to love them perfectly, to mm-hmm. many times meet all those needs that were not met maybe in childhood. And there is something that's put on a husband at times that is, I need you to fix it for me. Mm-hmm. And that's not appropriate. That's not really the love that that she's supposed to be getting from her husband. So really, that is kind of is placing your husband in an idle position because really you're asking what we have to show women sometimes is to say, you know, you can't get that from your husband. You're going to have to get that from God, but then receive appropriate love from your husband. So that's sometimes something that we have to shift perspective for. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Robbie, uh, as a as a parent, you know, what's some things that you would say that maybe not with your kids, but you've you've worked with kids in Sunday school, lots of different times you've been around kids. What's some things that kids struggle with as idols that that may not be as a parent? You know, um, you said a cell phone. Now that's that's one today that's really pretty pretty high up there. But what's some other things over your vast number of years that you've lived <laughs> that you've uh, Oh, over the millennia, other <laughs> things I've seen. But when, one of the ones that, that really is pervasive is, is sports. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that they find out they've got what it takes in basketball or they find out they got what it takes in football and that the next thing you know, they, they want to be a professional athlete worse than anything. Or, they, you know, they're, they're actually idolizing professional athletes because they are able to do certain things. And, and it really, their focus changes like this is where I'm, my whole thing is headed, and I've got, and they end up with a lot of eggs in that particular basket, and man, there's a lot of broken hearts right in and along those lines, and you can't help but think, you know, what did the good kings do, you know, in order to set up to structure? Because you know we live under grace, and so how do we gracefully take away the idols of our children? You know, there's there's some real deep questions there. And, and honestly, I don't have the best answers in the world, but I do know that that at least I can pray to God, show me how I can work on this. I see this idol in my mm-hmm. child's life. You know, um, my daughter is a f- fantastic actress. If you listen to Christian Carguy Theater, she goes, but so easily that could become an, an idol for her is, 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 you know, the whole acting career. So what can I do to pray, God, give me some wisdom here mm-hmm. to, to help remove this before it becomes that, and that it can still be what she was designed to be and loves to be because 
clearly my son loved to play mm. basketball, but how do we get them into their identity without going into idolatry? Right. And how do you not strip it completely away from them? Because that may not be the answer, but how do you help them get perspective? Exactly. Right. And so a good king helps people with the perspective portion as well as and removing idols. And so I'm trying to tie in my clip that you really didn't like, Robbie. So I'm, I'm going to be talking about that clip now. It's from the movie Shrek. I, I love Shrek, though. Yeah, I do love Shrek. Shrek is, is, is great. Especially movies. Donkey. Donkey, yeah. Reminds me of Al a lot. And, <laughs> and so we... Um, <laughs> this clip... Go ahead. You, don't you beat me to the punch. I was going to say the same thing about you. Yeah, I saw you coming. The, uh, in this clip, you have Arthur. It's from Shrek 3. That he is supposed to be the king, but he doesn't want to roll. And all of a sudden, some things happen where he has to interject. He has to take action, and he steps into that role. And I want you to listen to what's happening here because there's this divide of good, good and evil. And so he comes in, and he doesn't really address the good as much as he does the people that see themselves as evil. And we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about it. Everybody stop! And what is it now? Artie? You're telling me you just want to be villains your whole lives? But we are villains. It's the only thing we know. Didn't you ever wish you could be something else? Well, it's easy for you to say. You're not some evil enchanted tree. Oh, you morons! Don't listen to him! Attack them! What Steve's trying to say here is it's hard to come by honest work when the whole world's against you. Right. Thanks, Ed. Okay. Fair enough. You're right. I'm not a talking tree. But, you know, a good friend of mine once told me that just because people treat you like a villain, or an ogre, or just some loser, it doesn't mean you are one. The thing that matters most is what you think of yourself. If there's something you really want, or someone you really want to be, then the only person standing in your way is you. Me? Get him, lads! Yeah! No, 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 no. What, what I mean is, each of you is standing in your own way. Oh. <laughs> I've always wanted to play the flute. I'd like to open up a spa in France. I grow daffodils, and they're beautiful. <laughs> You had to have all those weapons being thrown back in. And, Robbie, the, the tie-in, because you've been waiting on it, is the, the, the king helps with idols. And it doesn't mean that that idol is always a positive thing. Because you can hear these evil people are identifying with their evil identity, and they're chasing after who they think they are, but the king helps with perspective. And he steps in and he says, no, you're chasing the wrong thing. You don't have to be that. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to live there and help them find that identity. Are there times that you guys have seen people just chasing some really, really bad decisions? I'm assuming that'd be a yes at some point. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking as you were talking how if your performance is driven by, uh, if your self-worth is um, driven by your performance, then that becomes an idol. You mm -hmm. see a lot of people in, in our culture um, performing at a high level is very important. And, 
you see children getting really stressed out, you know, in various things like dancing and sports because performing's everything. Mm-hmm. And you get a lot of attention and affirmation if you perform at a very high level. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I use the analogy if you, if you go into a bull ring and put the rope on your hand and open the chute and you go all over, the, the bull will take you all over the ring and then he throws you off. If your self-worth is based on your performance, then it's like riding a bull. <laughs> Eventually you're going to get thrown off and you're going to get hurt. And it's like if your identity is not in um, Christ, then you're going to try to perform to feel good about yourself. And other people have other people have control over you when your performance is driven by your self-worth. Mm-hmm. Also, another example um, is an exa- an idol idol excuse me an idol sometimes for women or even for teenagers is like shopping clothes that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And what we try to do and would teach with um, with children, with people dealing with idols is when you think about it's like with parenting or with people, when you discipline with don't do that, that's bad, that action's wrong, focusing on the negative, that that reinforces the negative. But when you say when you affirm the positive and then you're going after what they're actually doing right, you're actually building that up and then the negative starts falling away. So with that example, it's kind of like with the idols, with your children, with people, what are they doing? They're shopping. They're that idol. I need to have this this set of clothes, these set of shoes. What is that? What is that pointing at? It's pointing at a need. Mm -hmm. It's a self-worth. So whenever you can tend to that need and say, let me build in and bless the self-worth, let me bless this child of mine or this mate of mine, then that idol begins to fall away. That's a great point. That is an absolutely great point. Now, if you're out there and you're a king, right, and if you don't know what a king is, it's just you're in charge of something. You're over something. You have responsibility for something. You have lots of responsibility you may not know. You need to look for those idols. You need to look for those perspectives that only you can really speak into or you can help take away. That is your role. And if you don't fill that role, who's going to? And so we all have responsibility to do that in each other's lives, to help point to them, and also to always point them back to God because he's really the answer to that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.